It's Friday, April 16th, Spencer Speaks Sports, hosted by Spencer Swoboda here. And let's see, I I don't really know where to start. I mean, maybe let's do some do some tennis here, I guess. I just have a list of things I want to talk about, and I guess we'll do that. And, um, yeah, so as I mentioned earlier in the week, uh, Monte Carlo is, is going on, the Monte Carlo Masters for um, the ATP Tour, and um, I – I'm kind of surprised by some of these. Actually, very surprised by one result here, and that's Dan Evans of Great Britain beating Novak Djokovic in the round of 16 of the tournament. And now Daniel Evans has actually beat beaten David Goffin, I believe, today. Yeah, and is moving on to the semifinals to play Stefano Sissipas of Greece, and that's a more expected outcome there in the other. Um, yeah, in the other quarter. And then if we're looking at the next semifinal matchup, I think there's one more match to be determined. Rafael Nadal is playing Andre Rublev. Yep. And it appears Rublev is currently up on Nadal in the first set. So that's a upset potential, which would be kind of surprising. Um, but yeah, and then on the bottom quarter, you have Casper Rude, who came out of that quarter there. And um at first, I was like, "Wow, it's." I'm kind of surprised that a player um, like Rude is is coming out like that and uh, and making it to the semifinals. But then I realized Daniel Medvedev, the two seed, uh, he decided to withdraw before the tournament even started. So they put in a lucky loser who um, I think is like the highest ranked player that lost in qualifying gets into the draw. Uh, so that's that's what happened there and and rude actually beat fabio fognini in the quarterfinals and fognini is was the defending champion because the last time they played this event was in 2019 uh and then back two years ago that was a surprising result because fognini beat rafael nadal in i believe it was the semifinals, not the finals of the of the tournament but anyway so yeah so very very impressive impressive from rude there the uh, young norwegian player and i would think that either Rublev or Rafa, whoever wins that match, will will beat Rude. But I mean, I don't know. He seems like he's putting together a, ter- a good tournament, uh, so maybe um, could be a, a good clash. But uh, I do expect Sispatas to beat Dan Evans. I think Evans's uh, magic runs out there. I think he's the first Brit since Andy Murray in like 2016 to make it to a a Masters semifinal. So that's kind of impressive. Dan Evans is the number one ranked Brit right now. Uh, so I guess that kind of tells you where British tennis is at when you have a, a guy who a few years ago tested positive for cocaine uh, and had to take six months off, and now he's back in the, in the top player. But anyways, regardless of the drug stuff, still a very good tennis player. Uh, but yeah, it's it's shaping up. It should still be a, a good, uh, maybe some lackluster semifinal matches, but I think the final of or what we're expecting the final to be probably Sispatas versus either Rublev or Nadal. Uh, it'll it'll be it'll be a good match. I believe it's it would be this weekend or on Sunday. So yeah, so that, I just wanted to update everybody on that. Let's see what's next here. We got oh WNBA draft was last night. So WNBA draft you have twelve uh, picks per round for three rounds, so thirty six total picks. And I'm pretty certain that in the first 12 picks of the draft or 13 picks of the draft, you had five of them being made by the Dallas Wings there. And the Dallas Wings actually had, I think it was one 
two, five, seven, and thirteen. So uh, the I think there were trades that happened last season in the WNBA bubble and uh, to where or, or during this offseason, actually. And that's where the Wings got a bunch of different draft capital. So that was uh, uh, hopefully that serves them well. I mean, I don't know if we're going to see a direct impact because there's so many rookies on the team, so, so much inexperience. But uh, you would think, I mean, probably within five years here, they, they should be making an impact, making probably deeper playoff runs. I know you have established teams like Seattle and and you could say Washington, the Mystics there with Deladon and um, and Turner, I believe, is, is on that team. So, so yeah, but the way, I mean, having that the ample amount of picks that they that they did early it's um it's it's a good sign and then as i've mentioned before with um dealing with the ncaa tournaments and and specifically the women's tournament you had ari mcdonald who was uh, the star one of the stars of the tournament uh from from arizona and was one uh, three-point shot away from being an, an absolute hero and when winning the entire national championship for three seed arizona but anyway she goes uh third overall to the Atlanta dream, I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken. So um, obviously they, they know the talent that McDonald's going to have playing at the guard position. Um, so that was another good pick that they made. And uh, I think the Connecticut Sun, their first pick was at like 20th overall. They drafted a, a forward from Baylor. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm drawing a blank on the name. I know Dee Richards from Baylor went – in uh okay here we go um the jonah carrington yes there we go of, of baylor uh so i think a decent amount of baylor players went in this draft at least three that that i can remember um which which makes sense because baylor was a very good team this year so but i do like the the draft that the connecticut sun had they definitely um took advantage of the 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 few picks that they had um later in the um in the proceedings so all right let me oh and, and and one more thing this was not related to the, the players or anything but you have holly Rowe of espn and this is this is really the first time watching the WNBA draft that i noticed there was a decent amount of foreign players i think the number two overall pick was playing in in the uh, the, the finnish league uh or or whatever euro league i think it may be to where they face other countries in europe as well but anyway the number two overall pick um was from Finland. And then you had later in the draft, there was a player from France who got drafted. And meanwhile, Holly Rowe is speaking fluent French to this person. Like at a, like usually reporters may do like the, the, the typical intro. They may like try to remember that line and, and I don't know, just to, to kind of break the ice a little bit in the interview. Um, but no, Holly Rowe speaks fluent French, which I was very surprised by. Um, so just like another thing to the, to put on the talent board of Holly Rowe, um, an absolute uh, legend when it comes to broadcasting and and, and um, sports analysis. And this was, uh, I guess, a little disappointing because obviously we're uh, in a situation with the Olympics to where we're postponed a year. So it's been, uh, for the summer games, five years of anticipation pretty much. And Christian Coleman, who is one of the top USA sprinters, um, especially with the 100 meter, he was um banned by the um i think it was the the a 
the IAAF, I'm pretty, or it could have been the World Doping Organization, to be honest. Um, but regardless, uh, he was banned two years, and uh, recently this has gotten brought down to now 18 months. So we go from 24 months down to 18 months. He is still going to be missing Tokyo uh, because this ban, this the 18 months goes until I think November. They said October or November, which is obviously after the summer, after Tokyo. Uh, so that's that's uh, unfortunate to have um, that that type of U.S. talent not being part of the 100 uh, meter race, the four by one. Heck, I don't know. Like Coleman could be even run that could have ran the 200 as well if he had qualified for it. So, yeah, that's it's but. I mean, he kind of did it to himself. Like, if he just showed up to his his drug tests, like this is the thing. I don't think he's ever technically tested positive for for banned substances or steroids, whatever it may be. Uh, he just decided not to show up to his drug test, and there therefore means that um, it's an an assumed um, positive test, I guess. So that's um, kind of the situation, I guess, with me at school with COVID. Like if I don't show up for a random surveillance test, then that means I, I may be forced to quarantine. Like So that's that was kind of the situation we was put in. But obviously, I'm not getting banned for 18 months um, like, like he is. So it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I, he just, I mean, he's in like the prime of his career. The Washington Wizards here, that's, I wanted to kind of touch on this because uh, they have won four of their last five. And with players like Bradley Beal, who's averaging 21 points a game, uh, not 21, 31, 31 points a game. And then you have Russell Westbrook, who's averaging a triple-double on the season. That's just super impressive. I believe in NBA history, because Russell Westbrook has done this before when he was on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Oscar Robinson. And Russell Westbrook, I think, are the only two players to ever average a triple-double in a season. And it looks like Russell Westbrook's on pace to do it again. I mean, he's averaged, let's see, we got 21.8 points per game, got 10.8 rebounds, 10.9 assists. That's ridiculous. And then he also leads a team in steals as well. You can add on there as 1.3 steals a game, um, if you really care about that, I guess. But, uh, yeah, so – and. I mean, I guess they just don't have the the pieces surrounding them to to be super successful. But but still, when you have players like Beal and Westbrook, you would think they would at least get into the top ten, at least be in the playoff games. And looking at the standings for the NBA, you have the I'll speak this NBA. I mean, I'm just going to highlight the Celtics here for a sec because I mean they're tied for fourth right now after being, I think, a couple weeks ago in ninth place. People were freaking out, but don't worry. They've won like five straight now. Um, everything's going good. But anyway, uh, you have the Chicago Bulls are currently at the 10 spot, so they would be the last playing game. And you have Toronto and Washington are, are only a game back of Chicago. So, I mean, the, the uh, Wizards have had some really rough runs and, and some – kind of rough losing spurts for sure uh, you would think if they were able to put at least a 500 effort like they don't have to w constantly be winning you know four out of five games but if they put in a 500 effort you would think they would have a shot because 
really right now you would think that teams like Miami, Charlotte, Indiana, like teams like that, teams who are 10 through 12 games out of the 76ers for first place, they kind of have that uh, buffer room, you know, um, and they should be in. But uh, like looking at a team like Chicago being 15 and a half games out, uh, that, that's that's a big separator amongst those teams to, to where, yeah, it's that the next kind of 10 through 12 window is Chicago, Toronto and Washington. And I mean, yeah, like I like I keep saying with players like Beal and Westbrook, you would think that uh, that they would be. um in a spot to, to maybe pass those teams. I know the Bulls made the addition with uh, Vucevic uh, from Orlando there, um, but it seems like Vucevic just can't make a team better for some reason. Uh, Toronto, I mean, they still have – they were able to keep Lowry after the trade deadline. He didn't get dealt. It's just I think they're kind of they're struggling, obviously not being in Toronto this year. They're, they're playing in Tampa, so that, that could probably affect them. Um that's the thing too is that you you they're still actually i mean it's a small margin but their their point differential is, is plus uh 0.4 which the four teams ahead of them Miami, Charlotte, Indiana, Chicago are are all negative in the point differential so it's kind of it's a little fluky with Toronto they did go on a pretty bad losing streak um so, yeah, so going back to the Wizards, I, I think they still have an opportunity uh, just based on their talent. And obviously, I think people would love to see, like, could you imagine having uh, – right now Miami's the seventh seed, so they would be in the play-in. Uh, Miami and – well, actually, that wouldn't be the case. My bad. Um, <laughs> it would be it would be an Indiana and, and, uh, and Washington um, playing game. I think that would be kind of entertaining. And then say Miami loses to Charlotte or something and Miami has to play them to get the last playing spot. If Washington wins, then that would be pretty cool as well. So, um, I just think it would make it make the plan more interesting if Washington was in versus say, uh, Chicago though, Zach Levine, pretty entertaining too, but definitely over Toronto. I'll close with, um, I mean, this is probably one way to to get embarrassed here is to try to talk soccer. Um, definitely one of my weaker subjects. I'm more of like a, a guy who just views the standings and kind of gets an idea there. Um, I only really know the main players here, and, and, and that's about it. But anyway, I'm going to go through the three leagues here that I, that I wanted to go through with uh, Bundesliga, the German Soccer League, La Liga, the Spanish Soccer League, and then the English Primer League, obviously the English Soccer League. Um, so first, Bundesliga. I'm just gonna I'm gonna assume here that Bayern Munich is at the top. Um, let me let me check. Yep, they are. So Bayern Munich, 65 points right now. They've played 28 matches. Um, I'm pretty sure they all play each other um, twice. So there's like, what, six more, six more matches to go. Um, so, yeah, Bayern Munich, 65 points. Uh, the team Red Bull, the Red Bull team, I like to call them, um, what was it? Uh, Leipzig. Leipzig. There we go. So, but anyway, team Red Bull, uh, 60 points in second. Wolfsburg in third, and then Frankfurt in fourth. The surprising thing, I guess, is that Dortmund's in fifth. Uh, it, it, 
that's I mean, it's a big gap between them and Frankfurt, 53 and 46 points. Um, oh, yeah, and Wolfsburg has 54. So, I mean, Dortmund's going to have to do some work these last couple of matches here to get back up into a, a spot that gets them into the Champions League uh, group stage matches for next year uh, or else uh, Dortmund's going to be heading to the uh, Europa League, which is kind of like the, the um, European tournament that's below the Champions League. Uh, but yeah, obviously, I'm not surprised by Bayern being up there. They're always up there, it seems like, um, unless it's like a really fluky year. But uh, but yeah, not not surprised by that. All right, let's go to La Liga. And I mean, uh, so so before I before I go into the standings, uh, I would say Barcelona is definitely my um, my favorite European club. It's because well, mostly because that's the first. European city I ever visited was Barcelona. So uh, that's that's a big reason why. And uh, it looks like they are in third, but by a very slim margin. Uh, you have Atletico Madrid. That's that's actually kind of surprising. You usually think Real Madrid or Barcelona is going to be the top spot. But Atletico Madrid, 67 points here. And they've played, they played 30 matches. So they, let's see. I think they play 36. So they have six to go. Um, so, yeah, Atletico Madrid, 67 points. Real Madrid, 66. Barcelona, 65. So very, very close. Uh, I, I don't know what their kind of like strength of schedules are remaining. Um, Sevilla, that's kind of that's kind of uh, surprising at four. I mean, I don't know who would usually be at four. Um, but I, I guess I'm just surprised of how close they are uh, to Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid at 61 points, only four behind Barcelona. I don't think they're going to um, take advantage and, and move up any further. But um, still, that's that's pretty impressive that uh, that I guess the a non big three club like that is that close. Um, but yeah, so I, I know. I know I think it was last week there was an El Clasico match between Real Madrid and Barcelona and Barcelona um, took I guess a, a rare recent loss I, th- I think they've they've dominated the series as of late and um, so yeah so it was a it was a pri- it was a surprising result but um, I think uh, a lot of players and and, and um, people in the organization were saying that uh, this this will make them better so hopefully it does uh, Barcelona's goal scoring very good I mean they have 69 goals uh, on the season. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, their goal differential is definitely the best in the, in La Liga. Um, so I, mean, I don't know how, I guess we'll, I guess we'll find out. Uh, hopefully they, uh, they don't take a, a tough loss. They at least draw their matches and hopefully they win a lot of their matches too. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very competitive there. And finally, let's see. We got the English Premier League. So last year it was Liverpool and Man City at the top, and that's kind of been the, tr- the trend. I think Man U has kind of fallen off a little bit. Chelsea, yeah, kind of around that four or five territory. So let's see if I'm surprised by um, what's going on here. Let's see. Oh, let's look at this year's standings. You know, that would be impressive. All right. So, Man City at number one, 74 points. Uh, though they have played one more game than everybody else, it looks like. So, maybe some 
COVID stuff that's interfered with things. But anyway, um, so yeah, 74 points. Man United, okay, so Man United is kind of back to where they should be at the top two in the standing. So 63 points. Oh, wow. Lesser City uh, is third with 56. And then this is even more surprising than me because West Ham United is four at 55 points. I mean, that's wasn't West Ham like a weren't they almost relegated last year? Hold on. I got to check this out. This is being so okay. Yeah, they were 16th last year in the standings. That's ridiculous. They're fourth this year. Holy moly. So, yeah, so so Bournemouth uh, was the last team to get relegated last season, and West Ham was only five points clear of them. And now they're fourth looking at a spot into the Champions League next year. Uh, but they're only one point ahead of Chelsea, who is um a team that i expect to be that they're they're like right there they're in that four or five range they're currently in the spot for the europa league and i guess this is surprising that liverpool is sixth um it's seen tottenham everton arsenal at seven eight nine that's kind of expected i guess um and uh yeah liverpool is only three points out of west ham so that's gonna be interesting and i guess Leicester City isn't clear either. I mean, that's going to be a good battle between the three through six teams there um, as we close on the season. So, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be very intriguing to see who gets those. Uh, because I think Man City, Man United, those guys are clear. Uh, but it's, it'll be real interesting who gets those Champions League spots, those last two spots for next year. Uh, and then I, I think it's always fun to look at the relegation uh, especially in the primary league, uh, Bundesliga, La Liga, not so much. Um, but uh, Fulham, West Brom, Sheffield. Okay, Sheffield United's definitely getting relegated. They only have 14 points on the season. West Brom, who's in 19th place in the second relegation spot, they are, yeah, 10 points ahead at 24. So, holy moly, Sheffield is not good this year at all. Four wins, two draws, and 25 losses. That is terrible. All right. Um, yeah, that those, and so, yeah, when there's West Brom and Fulham and, and both of those, all three of those teams look like they're going to stay there because you have Newcastle at 17th, who is six points clear of Fulham with, like I said, f- around, uh, uh, oh wait, okay. I think they have like seven or eight games to go, seven or six games to go, depending on where they're at. I mean, people have played 30, 31, 30 games, so. Yeah, like roughly six to eight more games to go. Um, but yeah, so okay, so that's my that's my soccer analysis. Me being surprised by some of the standings, um, and I will obviously be more intrigued in that, and and maybe talk about it more depending on what storylines pop up. All right, that's that's all I got, and I will be back on Monday for more Spencer Speak Sports. Woo.